Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending October 15th, 2021. I'm Sophie Antel and I'm joined today by my colleague, Paul Eidelman, Chief Investment Strategist for Russell Investments. Hey, Paul, how are you? Yeah, very good, Sophie. Thanks. It's great to see you. I am looking forward to hearing from you on three topics that are making the headlines this week. And small note to our audience, when we say this week, we're actually pre-recording this on Thursday afternoon, October 14th. So hopefully Friday the 15th doesn't toss all of this up, but take that with a grain of salt. So far, um, the news he- headlines have sort of been revol- revolving around three topics in particular. The first ones are being earnings season in the U.S. has kicked off. So really curious to get your views on what those early readings look like. The second one is around China and the evolving property story there, as well as some credit data we've been getting. And then lastly, um, inflation in the U.S. Uh, we got CPI readings earlier this week and would love to get your thoughts on that. How's that sound, Paul? Yeah, it sounds great. Let's start with earnings season. Obviously, we've all been watching that very carefully as uh, as this sort of you know COVID environment has evolved. Where are the early readings looking right now? What's your feel for how this earnings season is going to turn out? Yeah, I mean, the early reads looking very good. Um, this is typically what's characterized as the first week of earnings season. So we've just gotten a couple of the the biggest U.S. banks, but. Generally speaking, the results that we have so far have been beating expectations by a pretty wide margin. And to kind of put some numbers around that for the S&P 500 index as a whole, it looks like we're already tracking two percentage points ahead of what the consensus was thinking for the quarter. So we went into this with a consensus view of 30% earnings per share growth for the S&P 500 in Q3. That number is now already moved up to 32%. And as you said, we're filming this on Thursday, so we only have a couple of days of results so far. So I think a very strong start. And to put a little bit of context around it, in a a typical earnings season, you only get about five percentage points of upgrade. So a couple of days into about halfway there, I, I think a really encouraging, very strong start to the U.S. earnings season. And that's important for investors. I think on most standard valuation measures, the U.S. equity market looks pretty expensive right now. So if you're thinking about your drivers of return, probably not going to get that much from multiple expansion going forward and relying on strong earnings growth to to drive equity returns. And we certainly got that in the first couple of quarters of, of 2021. And I think very encouraged by what we're seeing so far in Q3, uh, but obviously something we'll keep an eye on in the weeks ahead as we get more companies reporting here. Yeah, can't wait to hear more as we as we get more of those companies reporting their their earnings. But great to hear that it's a positive start. That that helps a lot. Shifting gears a little bit to China, um, obviously there's been an evolving property story there. Evergrande has been in the headlines for the last few weeks. Where are we at there this week? I think the news. Uh, on balance out of China has been a little bit more negative. So the the two things that we've been focused on first, from a data perspective, we got credit numbers out of China. The, the credit data tends to be one of the more reliable leading indicators of Chinese economic activity. And the numbers for the month of September disappointed expectations. They're basically showing uh, no growth. So we've been on this profile of decelerating credit growth. Analysts were hoping for a turnaround here as policymakers have stepped up support a bit, and we didn't get that. So I think that was a bit disappointing for the short term 
macro outlook. Uh, and then on the property side, uh, I think there's a lot of attention around Evergrande, but the issues are a bit broader than that. Basically, ever since last year when China laid out their three red lines for leveraged property developers, a number of them are now constrained in their ability to borrow to kind of finance ongoing operations. There's now about a handful of property developers that have either missed a coupon payment on an offshore bond, have uh, sort of delayed a payment or uh, warned about possibly missing a payment. So it's starting to spread a little bit broader beyond just Evergrande. So I think that's a stress that we're going to have to keep an eye on here. Um, my colleague, Alex, um, who covers China for us, thinks the Chinese economy will slow on the back of this property sector weakness into 2022. But so far, we've been encouraged that the weakness in the property sector hasn't spilled over into the banks and the broader Chinese economy, kind of akin to what people think about happening to the United States back in 2008, 2009. So, so far it looks relatively contained, uh, which is good news. But as we're thinking about the risks around our constructive uh, global economic outlook, China is sort of at the top of that list. Well, them being such a large economy, it's hard to contain everything. Um, so I can imagine that there are some ripple effects. Um, yeah. Speaking of ripple effects, uh, the inflation in the U.S., is still making headlines. Um, we got some data out this week. How is that looking? Is there, is it increasing? Is it decreasing? What is your read and where do you think it's going? Yeah, when we focus on the core inflation measures that came out both for consumer and producer prices this week, it actually looks a little bit softer for the month of September. Very little sequential inflation increases and one of the lower outcomes for 2021. Um, so I think that's uh, a bit encouraging. We've had this view that a lot of the inflation is transitory, but I, I don't think we really want to raise the mission accomplished banner on our inflation view yet. When you kind of dig under the surface of the inflation data, it seems like shelter inflation, so home prices, rent prices, uh, a really important and big category is starting to inflect up a bit. And that tends to be one of the stickier and more cyclical drivers of U.S. inflation. So that did move up a bit in September. Um, and some of the weaker items were things like airfares. So as the Delta variant impacted the U.S. economy and travel demand stepped down a little bit over the last couple of months, uh, that pricing power moved down. But that's probably unlikely to be a sustained and disinflationary driver, given uh, a lot of the COVID news is actually looking a little bit better here. So I think the headline core inflation data was a bit softer, but this concern around medium term inflation risk is, is still very present and a very active item of debate here for us at, at Russell Investments. Um, our view, just from a baseline perspective, is as we get into 2022 and a lot of these really intense supply chain issues hopefully start to resolve themselves. Our thought is that inflation will step back down close to or potentially even a little bit below the Fed's 2% target next year. But uh, we're going to have to look at a lot more data points here over the months ahead to, to really get more clarity on that. 
Terrific. Well, thankfully, you love data, Paul. I know you. Um, so <laughs> we are grateful that you are keeping an eye on all of these stories as they evolve. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today, but definitely look forward to um, hearing how, how these stories end up developing in the coming weeks. Um, so thank you for sharing your insights, Paul. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>